0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Charlie Matz, filling in for Ben Blakey. It's Tuesday, March 23, 2021. A mission. Perhaps you've been on a mission before. When you think of that word, it might bring up several different thoughts. It's possible that you've been on a mission trip, or maybe you've been involved in a military mission. I certainly can relate to being part of a business with a mission statement. No matter the context, the idea in general is that by having a mission, you have an important assignment, a goal that must be met at all costs. Now, why is a mission so important? It's something that helps those on that mission to identify true north. When things don't go according to plan, which we know they rarely do, a mission helps everyone align, to recalibrate, so to speak back to what's most important when things get difficult. Just because something goes terribly wrong in business, in the mission field, or during a military operation, that doesn't mean that the mission changes. As Christians, we have a mission, to make disciples. And today's passages are a great reminder that no matter our circumstances, that mission, it never changes. Digging in first to the gospel passage today, Matthew 24, 1 through 14. We're going to basically see the overall idea here is that the, the disciples, they're going to ask Jesus a few questions, and they're really wanting to understand what's going to happen in the future. Um, first of all, they're, I think, asking about the destruction of the temple, saying, when will these things be? And and then they're referring to Jesus is coming. What will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age They want to know when he's coming back. What can we look out for? And Jesus gives them some things to look out for. But it's important to note the first thing Jesus says in response, because as he does often, he brings it back to the most important matters, the matters that will help them to stay on mission. First, he says, see that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. We need to be on guard for any variation of a false gospel. And how do we stay on guard? Well, we need to know the Word of God. That might sound simple, but it's so profound. We need to know the Word of God so well that at the first instance of somebody saying something that's off, that doesn't align with who God is and what His scriptures say, we need to have our ears up, our antennas up, so that we can see those things happening, so that we're not led astray, just like Jesus is warning His disciples. And Jesus continues, he starts to give them some idea of what to look out for, for his return. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. And I want us to focus first on the words, see that you are not alarmed. Uh, that's Jesus just saying, hey, you're not alarmed because A, I I told you these would happen. So when they start to happen, you need to think back to my words. And we have scripture to remind us. We have this passage right here to refer back to when we see these things happening in the world around us to not grow weary, to not be alarmed. And then B, we trust the Lord, going back to this idea of being in the word of God, knowing the word of God. If you think about the relationships in your own life, how do you grow to trust somebody? Well, you get to know them. And how do you grow to trust the Lord? It's no different. You get to know him. You get to know who he is. And then you get to look back and see how he has faithfully provided throughout your entire life. And Jesus refers to all these things that he's listing off as beginning of birth pains. And you've maybe had a baby yourself, or if you're like me, you've watched your spouse give birth to a child and you can Tell uh, right away when those birth pains kick in because there's a whole other level of discomfort. And so, although we are not alarmed, we need to also be living in the reality that it won't be pretty or easy or painless. Although we expect Christ's return and we see these warning signs happening around us in the world, we can't expect it to be painless either. And in verse 9, Christ continues as he says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Many of us have different eschatological views, our belief about the exact timing of events during the end times and where we're at right now. But I think it's important for all of us to fly up to the 30,000 foot view with these passages and think about a few things that are helpful for all of us. First, We all need to start with a biblical picture of God's sovereignty. These passages and even our world right now can seem overwhelming, but not when we remember who God is. He is sovereign and we are his children. But I also think scripture is pretty clear that we aren't to stick our proverbial head in the sand either. Here are a few things that we do know from this passage. Christ is coming back. Until then, the world is going to get a bit out of control. Others will come claiming to be him. We will be persecuted and suffer for our alignment with Jesus Christ. Many will fall away and betray each other in the church. And many false teachers will lead many astray. Many will lose their love and grow cold due to lawlessness. We must endure and we must bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. So my encouragement to you today is this. Continue to study the scriptures so that your ears aren't tempted to be tickled with the counterfeit. Don't grow bitter toward an increasingly lawless world. Instead, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, as Jesus taught us to do in Matthew five, forty four, And then endure through the power of prayer. And lastly, share the gospel all the more. In other words, stay on mission and make disciples. And speaking of making disciples, let's go to the New Testament in Acts. We're in Acts 26, 24 through 32. Now, our passage starts off right after Paul was sharing his story and sharing the gospel with uh, with this king, Agrippa. And starting in verse 24, we read, And as he was saying these things, in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I'm speaking true and rational words. Coming out of our passage in Matthew, I encourage you to share the gospel all the more. Well, it's possible that you'll get a response like Paul has here. You are out of your mind. But like Paul says, we are speaking true and rational words. This is a good reminder to make sure that's all we're speaking. Let's not get off script and get distracted, but let's also be encouraged to stay calm and to have peace knowing that we are speaking Words that are true and rational, and we don't need to speak more loudly or more harshly, or even sometimes more boldly. We need to let the scripture speak for itself. I think it was Charles Spurgeon said that uh, if you're defending a lion, you don't uh, you don't fight for the lion, you just let the lion out of the cage, and many times we fight to defend the scriptures, when all we really need to do is let the scriptures out of the cage. Let them do their work of conviction on the heart that God is calling to him and not fight for it with harsh words or any unloving tone in our voice. And we have a great example here with Paul standing before a king, having someone tell him, a governor telling him, you are out of your mind. And he just calmly says, I am not out of my mind. I am speaking true and rational words and continues to do so. And perhaps Paul saw something in King Agrippa that gave Paul more confidence to get more aggressive with the gospel here. At the very least, he probably knew of King Agrippa's apparent reputation of being a religious Jew. But he says, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And King Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, whether short or long. I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. Paul calmly and deliberately and carefully just shares the gospel message and brings it confidently, knowing that it has the power to change hearts, and and Paul ultimately doesn't. One thing that always fascinates me about Paul is that he never doubts where God has him. In person, he kind of says, I will work to persuade you to repent and believe. In prison, I will sing praises and use every appeal I can to bring the truth of the gospel before other men. Paul always finds a way to plead his case while simultaneously trusting the Lord enough to share the truth of who Christ is. May we have the faith to use every opportunity for Christ, trusting in God's sovereignty that where we sit today is not an accident and where we sit doesn't change the mission, whether that's in a palace or in a prison. And also, may we have such a singular focus that we don't let someone's title or prestige throw us off track. May we complete the task of sharing the gospel no matter what. Perhaps for many of us, the time is coming when we could experience real consequences for sharing the gospel. I pray that we never stop pursuing the mission, even though the battlefield has grown much more hostile. I pray we trust our holy and sovereign king to see us through, even if we stand before a hostile king. Of this world. Now, moving to the Psalms. We're in Psalm 37, 25 through 31. There are a few verses in this passage that are so incredibly encouraging to me today, especially in light of what we talked about so far. First, verse 25 says, I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. Take it from a guy who has seen a thing or two here in David. God takes care of his children. Let's just let that encourage us this morning, that no matter what we do, if it results in us being chased by murderers into caves or we lose our job, that we remember the words of David, I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. Let's stay on mission and trust the one who provides. He wants us to continue the mission of making disciples, and in the spirit of Matthew 6, let God worry about tomorrow. Now, verse 28 says, for the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. Sometimes when it feels like the evil is winning and God is silent, it's good to meditate on verses like this for us again, to have the confidence that we don't need to fight the battles that God already says are taken care of as a perfectly just God. He will have his way with every person. Who does us wrong? Every person who's done anything wrong against us in our lives, he will fight that battle. We do not have to have vengeance. We don't have to take care of that. Sometimes we get off mission because we get so focused on taking care of somebody who's doing us wrong in our life. Uh, it's been said before that the most rip- misrepresented person to ever live was Jesus Christ. And yet he trusted the Father. While he was on the cross, even he was being misrepresented, yet he trusted the Father with his will, and not having to take that into his own hands. And verse 30 and 31 say, The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. You want to utter wisdom in the middle of this foolish world? You want to speak words of truth and justice? Do you want your steps to be firm and confident? Then you must have God's word in your heart. I would be willing to bet that wisdom, truth, peace and confidence are trending upward in your life when you are consistently in God's word and they suffer when you are not. Now, lastly, going to the Old Testament, we're in Numbers 33 and 34. What's one way to increase your faith and trust the Lord to stay faithfully on mission? Recount what God has already done. In our passage today in Numbers we get to journey back through how God guided the Israelites and provided for them every step of the way. He rescued them out of Egypt in dramatic fashion. But then we read of all the places where God provided them to stay. They set out of this place and they camped at that place over and over again, God provided. And it's easy for us to overlook these seemingly small landmarks in our own life, but each one is God's. Provision. And then the Israelites cross over the Jordan and into Canaan. And now, God in chapter 34, He's going to divide up the land for them. So, first, we want to be grateful and thank God for how He has provided. Do you thank God when He provides, even if it looks different than how you expected? It's easy for us to look back at the list of how God provided for Israel and turn our noses up, so to speak, at their long list of complaints. But how many times has God provided for us in powerful ways, but because it wasn't what we wanted or expected, we chalk it up to something less than miraculous. And secondly, perhaps these passages are a good reminder that God's ultimate end is His glory, and He is always in charge. Even though God brought the Israelites to the Promised Land, He didn't just drop them off and say, see you later. Rather, He expected them to be holy. He told them how to divide up the land. God isn't just a provider. He appoints each of us to steward over very specific things. He told them who is in charge. God God isn't just in charge. He also decides what people he puts in charge of others. As the world grows darker and less honoring to God, the God we worship, let's not get caught up in their rebellion against authority, but rather let's increase our high view of God all the more, longing to do things his way always. And being grateful, even if we don't always understand what he's doing at every turn, because we always understand the mission that he's put us on. What a gift that Jesus didn't leave, saying he was returning and not give us a mission to accomplish when he was gone. No, he didn't leave us in the dark. He gave us a very clear mission. I'm so thankful that he spelled it out for us. Make disciples. Even though this world will get darker and more difficult, we still make disciples. Even though we may stand before leaders with severe consequences for doing so, we still make disciples. Even though it may look like we could lose everything, including our ability to provide for our families, we still make disciples. And all the while, we look back to see how God has faithfully provided for us every step of the way so far to give us the fuel to keep making disciples to stay on mission. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. I'll be filling in for Ben Blakey until he's back on Monday, March 29th. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.